millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, the weekly bonus podcast where my dad and I sit down and shoot the shit about anything even vaguely related to true crime, the fire brigade, the funeral industry, or just father and son nonsense. Dad, how are you feeling this morning? Paul, in a word, marvellous. Excellent. And uh, you know how you say bonus? Yeah. If you break that up, it sounds like bone us. Have you ever thought about that? I've tried not to. Uh, Boners, I mean, B-O-N-E-R-S, bonus is probably the more obvious. Yeah. Imagine having a name like that singer in U2. Bono? Yeah. You think Bono and Boner are the same? Similar. We've cracked a Bono. It's not really the same, is it? You well, have a story for us this I morning, do. It's I a, believe. It's, it's a story that um, I think it's important to realise the reach of uh, of our show. Mm. The whole loose units concept. Remembering, and I know I do go on ad nauseum. That's, I only know a little bit of Latin. Uh, I know Louis Secundus. I think I've said that before. What does Maybe that mean? Second to none. Um, but... You know, we reach into many, many places. And I was walking home this morning. I went up to King's Cross to have a coffee. Mm -hmm. I was coming back through and I saw about eight detectives from King's Cross Police Station standing there. I mean, they stick out like, you know, like like dogs' balls. How do they Um, dress now? Do they still, are they still glory boys or? They wear suits. But um, I guess... In that particular group this morning, 30% were women. Women, Yeah, it was just interesting seeing them all there. You know, some of them sucking on durries. I don't know if that's a that's a term people use anymore, but... Uh, Having cigarettes. You're a, you used to be a smoker, didn't you? Yeah, and I enjoyed it. Mm. Do you ever get the kind of that itch? Do you ever... Never. You know, ever. Never? I, I, I have no desire. I have looked at people vaping, <clears throat> which intrigues me, because it's like a micro-portable shisha pipe. Yeah, and I, we used to really enjoy shisha. You used to go out to the, um, to the what, was it the what, you went to the western suburbs occasionally mm, mm. with was it Steve? And Steve, my my lovely friend. Uh, we we actually we were introduced to the shisha mm-hmm. in Thailand, and we used to go to a. I guess you know how you got like the Latin Quarter. Yes. Well, I mean, why do they say quarter? Uh because it's. 25% of the city. No, I don't understand. Uh, mm. I think quarter is kind of just sort of a catch-all term for an area, right? Mm. So you mm. have, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, I kind of know what it is, but it's just an interesting, you know, they don't say the Latin three quarters. Yeah. Anyway, so <clears throat> we used to uh, sort of smoke the shisha out the front of 
these beautiful Middle Eastern restaurants in, in Bangkok, which was really wonderful. And then we kind of got a bit of a taste for it. And then we came back to Sydney and we actually we, um, we bought our own uh, individual shishas. Mm-hmm. And we used to go to Steve's house because Steve, um, you know, I was his best man and he's just a fucking great guy. And But they were demolishing his apartment and we used to use his lounge room a bit like a squat. And I think I even graffitied the walls. Uh, and you didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't. Mm. Uh, but, but he was cool with that and uh, because they were going to demolish the building. And we kind of... I'm, I'm not going to say we trashed the place because that, that's silly saying that because um, I do have a modicum of respect for my friend's um, dwellings. How but old was, were you at this point? How, when was this? Oh, well, we were living in Manly and I had a Vespa and... <laughs> That's right. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're European midlife crisis. <laughs> yes, I've actually got a bit of a Vespa story for you as well, Paul. But um, Oh, just quickly, know, just quickly, yeah. I found out what, what quarter means. So mm. um, back in Roman times, uh, all cities were divided into quarters. So quarter just meant portion of a town. Right. Um, but yeah, most cities were divided into four parts called quarters by their two main avenues, the Cardo and the Decamanus Maximus. So effectively, old in the old days, Roman cities were always divided into quarters and you would give a quarter to a specific type of, you know, mm. like a specific group. Fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Of Sorry, course, now, no, no, but now we say town, like Thai town. We're, in Sydney, we have Thai town, Chinatown, and we now have Koreatown. God, and they're actually, I... And they're signs on, on that are... They're not dodgy signs. They're actually placed by the City of Sydney Council. It's smart. And I'm a very big fan. I mean, Korean food is amazing. Um, we are getting so heavily off track. You were talking about the uh, the shisha. <clears throat> you know, it's a very good thing, Paul, that we actually have you here on the podcast. Mm. Can you imagine if I was just talking to myself? That'd be hellish. You'd never, yeah, you'd never actually scary. tell the stories. You'd, never. You know, no. um, so what was the point? What, what? Shisha, you, you, you were at your friend's house yeah, and yeah, you were yeah. trashing the but place. But here's the funny part of that story. Mm. They were going to actually use, if I may create a visual analogy, they were going to use a wrecking ball. Have you ever seen a wrecking ball? Uh, yes. yes. And they use them on the big... On, they have a, like a massive ball on the end of a massive chain or cable. Yeah, sure. And, and the crane actually swings out and then back in and it smashes buildings pretty exciting mm-hmm. i know that they used to do that in america a fair bit um now they use explosives and get ready for this the real estate agent wrote to Stephen, who fun fact has a master's of law from oxford university and they said that they wanted compensation for the state we'd left the place in I mean, is that not laughable, knowing that they're going to completely obliterate the entire building? I mean, what a what a con. So they wanted you to basically... Comp- like, what are they going to use those funds for? To fix the place, then knock no, it down? can you believe that? Anyway, that's a joke. Crazy. So I just... I digress slightly. Um, but <laughs> the thing, Paul, is that... So I'm talking about far-reaching podcast you know the people we get to and uh, that's right i was coming back this morning from the cross walking through yeah uh the suburb Mm -hmm. and uh i was looking at people and i was just imagining that how we 
I mean, there are people out there that are obviously listening to us all over the world, but you don't necessarily and obviously know who they are. And sometimes when I'm in sort of public places, people stare at me. (laughs) And I always think, because I'm sad, that they're looking at me because they recognize me. But then that's more than likely not the case. Um so who do you? So why? Hang on. So wait, where did the detectives figure figure into this story? Oh no, I just saw them on the way home. Right. So that wasn't really a story. It was just a, you just saw some stuff and told us about it. Mm. But I right, think it's okay. interesting that anyway. So just just sorry, mate. I'm just That's okay. I'm feeling you know pretty good this morning, and um, I uh, I actually had a client, and this is going to probably astound you, but maybe not astound you, and the listeners may all just roll their eyes back, but. Mm. I have a very, very good client that I do a lot of work for. And she told me all the different types of medication she's on. And she told me about all her, you know, issues. And she said to me that she was ADHD and she's taking this and this. And she's completely lovely. And, you know, she's kind of, it's interesting watching her. And she said something to me in front of one of her friends a few days ago Mm -hmm. that absolutely floored me now now there's such a thing as people being honest but it kind of you know there are certain races in the world that that are just by nature we in the west perhaps think they're very it can be misconstrued as being very rude they're just yeah there's a certain directness to some yes yes and um this particular woman client friend said Mm. to me a few days ago Mm. oh um what medications are you on? And I just, I, I couldn't even respond. I was that in shock. Seem, that doesn't seem to me rude. It just seems odd. I mean, no, the no, no. But she assumes that I've got ADHD. Oh, oh, yeah. That's that's not unreasonable. That's the punchline. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and then, of course, I was thinking about her uh-huh. and how she is, and then I began to think to myself. Mm. Am I like that or is that how people perceive me? And which leads me, Paul, to a job I went to yesterday to quote at a uh, place called Time Out, the magazine. You know them? Uh, Yes. Yes, I do. So I went upstairs. They're on the fourth level. They've just moved offices. They've got an incredibly challenging and technically quite difficult um, mural to hang. Mm-hmm. And it's very heavy, and it has to go on a gyprock wall. There are no studs, so it's 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 challenging. And I hung it for them a few years ago. I hung it for them about seven years ago. And when the guy called me yesterday to describe this particular piece, I and I'm not, I'm, I'm not making light of PTSD, but I began to suffer what I would describe as a mild sort of recollection of that stressful experience I'd had trying to hang this stupid thing seven years ago. And I actually said to him, I said, can you imagine if I can recall in minute detail, I described to him in minute detail what I'd done seven years ago. I said, that should indicate to you quite clearly the trauma that left me. And that's true. It was such a terrible job. But now seven years later, I've walked up to this um, agency, uh, the, the home of Time Out, where there were a lot of journalists there. It was a lot of salespeople, and I'm standing there, and I just, they're all sitting down, and I just said, look, who's into true crime podcasts? And 
they kind of reacted a little bit strangely. And then I began to to tell them. And then it turns out mm-hmm. one of the guys who was on the computer, he just brought up this massive review that he did in timeout for Loose Units, the show we did in Sydney. Wait, what? Yes. Hang on, we got reviewed in timeout? Yes. And no, they're going to forward didn't. it on to us. How no, incredible. I'm, I'm deadly serious. Oh, he did the crazy. review. And, and I'll tell you what, I went into performance mode and I pretended that the head of the company was my brother and everyone said, are you serious? So that was a bit of a joke. Um, and it just, it was fantastic. And it reminded me, Paul, of our live shows. How I just, it was exciting and exhilarating and I... That gave me a taste for uh, for live shows again. Yeah, we are hoping to get back on stage. But, I mean, something that we wanted to talk about, um, and we don't want to tease anyone, but we are making our first actual kind of tentative foray back into the world of live appearances. So, Acast, the wonderful, wonderful company that actually distribute this show. Uh, we are just, we, we love Acast so much. They've done so much for us. And they are doing a kind of like a little in-house thing in brisbane um next week and dad and i are actually going to be up there one night only in brisbane doing this doing this uh, gig for acast now unfortunately it's not open to the public so we can't have people over and we're literally flying in and out but we are treating it as our you know pretty much the we're turning the pilot light back on for the live shows so this is us kind of you know dipping our toe back in are you excited about getting back on stage dad well, two things. Firstly, you said pilot light. Now, a mm. pilot light is always on. Always on. And then when you go to turn the appliance mm. on, it gets a, a big dose of um, gas. Right. And it fires up. So, yeah. I mean, I kind of got your analogy. <laughs> um, I'm, okay. I'm, then, you know, you're kind of turning the car on, you're idling the car, and then you so you can... And you give it a it. Your full throttle. Yeah. So, yeah. Paul, yeah. this is going to be... I'm I'm beyond excited, but just so the listeners know, and they may or may not know, but we've done a lot of really great shows, and every single one of them was a sellout. The sheer terror, fear, and indescribable sensation that is more horrifying than jumping out of a plane, by far. I guess it depends on who you are, though, right? I mean, g- getting up on stage for some people comes very naturally. Hmm. Um, I, I, I get into it and I truly, once you get some feedback from the crowd that you can't really see, you can kind of see the people in the front row um, and they're, they're always just fantastic. But it'd be like being a comedian going on stage, telling a joke that absolutely fails and you actually want to not be there and you just want to run away and hide and cry and never ever ever do it again because it's I mean, really intense but i think that 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 energy and that that rawness and the nervousness with me absolutely gives you the edge and i think i mean you and i will have one beer on stage for the entire show and just sipping but i could never ever i just would hate to go on stage or do any type of show if i was intoxicated because you might think you're really good, but you might not be. So in my case, um, I mean, the famous uh, Dean Martin, who was a serial alcoholic, who you just have a look at any of the shows in his later life, and he was just, he was literally maggoted all the time. 
But that was, I guess people came to <clears throat> expect that from him as part of his persona, stage persona. Yeah. I think it's important um, to be very clear-headed. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, that's my opinion. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I've done shows where I've had quite a few drinks, and it's tricky because you do kind of give in to your worst impulses. I think everyone's got kind of a default setting. I'm sure you get this with storytelling or with whatever you do. You have a kind of safe zone that you fall back to, mm. right? When you when mm. you're feeling insecure or whatever, and I think having some inhibitions on stage is good because it means you're going to measure yourself, and especially when you're talking about actual crimes, and sometimes there's stuff you shouldn't say. Mm. Mm. There's always the genuine risk, even though you're a consummate professional by now, that if you've had a few too many drinks, and you'll be wanting to impress people, you know, you're telling a story and you want to kind of show off a little bit, and mm. you might. You know, there's those things that you say, Paul, I will never tell you these stories, right? Mm, yeah. Let's say we haven't been on stage in a year and a half, which is true. And we've got a sellout crowd and we're having a really great night and you've had, you know, three or four beers and you, in the moment, make this odd decision to try and impress people mm. and you go, ah, what's the harm? And then you tell a story you shouldn't and mm. someone there is recording it and then we're screwed. Oh, I agree. The, yeah. But the inverse is also true. If you are too reserved, right? you won't be able to perform at all. Um, mm. My friend Megan Washington uh, said that the trick to being really talented is delusion. She said all truly talented artists have uh, a certain degree of delusion. They are convinced that they can do no wrong. They are convinced that everything they do is art and they just sort of get up on stage and they just spray it out, right? They just go, everything I do is amazing. I'm just going to throw it all out there. Only later on in their lives do they start to edit and pair it back. And the truly great artists are the people who can 
hit that balance mm. where they they know they're good and they're a little bit cocky, but they also know how to self-edit and how to measure things. And alcohol, you know, if you're drinking mm. on stage. Yeah. I, I mean, Tegan was heavily involved in the stand-up scene. She was a Melbourne stand-up. Um, she was an amazing comedian and still is, but she was doing stand-up for over 10 years, I think like 13 years. And she never really drank on stage. And a lot of comedians would get up just absolutely ruined. And what's happened now because of the fitness and the health stuff is comedians will get up on stage and they will refuse drinks. They will refuse the drink card because they treat their bodies like, you know, they're, they're like athletes, right? Mm. They take they take their craft really seriously. Mm. Um, I think the best... The best solution, Dad, is to make sure the audience has had a few drinks. Then, well, that's good too. Then yeah. everything, then everything you say is going to be so much more fun to listen to. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I have no problem whatsoever with you and I having a drink and oh yeah, yeah, up. no, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm. Look, I love, I, I, I love, you know, <laughs> shit. I love wine and everything, but I, and I do love it. At the end you of should, the day, um, I, you know, I, I can come home, but I. You know, I'm I'm fortunate that I do know my limitations, and I, I never ever write myself off primarily because I hate. Well, from when I was young, the bed spins, which is just hell. Yeah, um, I hate vomiting uh, because on my side of the family, on my dad's side, we really we 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 really put everything into our vomiting, and uh, people can hear it in uh, adjoining suburbs. It's exorcistic. Um, it's so it's bad. bad. Projectile, just shit. Um, um, I have a question. Listen about vomit I, uh, and alcohol. Did you ever work whilst in the emergency services with anyone who was under the influence? Well, shit, all the time. Really? Including colleagues. What do you mean? Well, po- police, fireys, you know, drinking on duty, and some of them right, writing themselves off. I worked at Crow's Nest Fire Station when I first joined the New South Wales Fire Brigades. Mm. When I was, uh, well, I would have been thirty, really, but pretty well 30 on my 30th birthday thereabouts got to crow's nest which was a you know big station still is a big station mm-hmm. and uh and the great thing about fire brigade stories is that i don't, I don't really care about <laughs> saying certain things I, right. I, I i couldn't give a rat's ass so I I, you may have heard this one it's a classic um but i i worked on a on a well, we were on b platoon so there's a b c d People turned my entire um, 10 years in the brigade. <clears throat> and it was a very stormy night, and the station officer was a what was called a relieving station officer. Hang on, have and you told this before? Maybe, but I'm just going to say, because it's, it's alcohol-related, yep. is that he was so drunk that he he couldn't turn out. So when the bells went off, one of the senior firemen had to actually put his uniform on and pretend to be the station officer, and we turned oh. out. Yeah. Have I ever told you that? I think you've mentioned it in passing. That's yeah, it's, crazy. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy story. And, you know, we effectively covered that guy's ass who was a... Anyway, doesn't matter what he was, but the fact is that... And, and then, I, you know, I went to other stations where... In fact, uh, I'm not going to name this particular station, but there was a station in Sydney, and it certainly wouldn't have been the only one, but one of the platoons was called the Party Shift. And they were notorious for... Uh, partying on shift so they'd be they'd be turning out to jobs uh you know under the influence which i think's totally fucked that's bonkers. and incredibly dangerous and just on so many levels so that's that's <clears throat> pretty good and um but in the police force um yeah you know i mean to be a detective in the 80s a part of that was was you know 
drinking and some detectives would there's that famous story I told you I'm never never really sure whether I told the listeners on this podcast or it was a live show right but you know I went to a fatal car accident one night involving alcohol in Mossman and we had to call the detectives in and one of the detectives actually when he opened his door and I don't know how he opened the passenger door he rolled out of the car and just fell on to the footpath in front of 200 people and he was so pissed he couldn't even stand up. Did I ever tell you that story? No, I don't know if you And it's did. fucked. It's just beyond. <clears throat> so that's, that's, hey, welcome to policing in the 80s. That's crazy. And, uh, you know, that's why I guess when I look at detectives like I did this morning, mm. I always kind of look at the detectives not with a not with a degree of <clears throat> suspicion, but you know, let's face it. You know, my experience with detectives in the eighties in Sydney, uh, obviously, was there were some magnificent and wonderful experiences um, yeah. that were just fucking awesome. But also, there were experiences uh, that were, you know, that left a mark on me. So yeah, but look, um, on a uh, on a sort of a funeral-related note, Paul. Sure, sure. Yeah, <clears throat> I got a, uh, I got this really lovely, fairly long, um, I guess, a paragraph of text yesterday from a, a guy, and he said to me, "Oh, one of my work colleagues um, informed me that you are, um, or you worked at Kinsella Funeral Homes," <clears throat> and he said, "You you worked with my father," and then he gave me the name of his father, and I remembered the father very well because we have often discussed this particular gentleman who was one of the Kinsella brothers. His name was oh. Rod or Rodney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm putting it out there because I, I just want to say this on record, um, and that is that I did refer to, as we all did, uh, we referred to Rod occasionally, but not in a disparaging way, um, as a character from Thomas the Tank Engine. Being? The Fat Controller. Correct. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> anyway, the, the 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 part of the story, Paul, because you and I did dis- discuss this off mic, but I held back the crux of my little story here mm-hmm. for you and the listeners is that he sent me a photograph yesterday of him in school uniform, uh, with his dad, and the dad was as I remember him. Um, I guess mid to late fifties, mm-hmm. and Paul, the photograph of the father and the son. The son um, was wearing a uniform, and the uniform is that of the same uniform that you wore on the very first day you went to school, Cromer Primary School. And he said to me, he said, "Look, I'm just wondering whether you'd be prepared to meet for a coffee, or maybe you can call me." And he said, I know this is completely um, out there and I certainly don't expect you to, to say yes. But that photograph of me when I was five, uh, my father died when he was five. And he said, I was wondering whether I could meet up with you and you can tell me a bit, a bit about my dad. Oh, gosh. Did he, find the, did he find the... Uh... Did he find your description of his dad offensive at all, or did he? Paul, I don't think he's ever ever listened ever to the. Podcast. So he doesn't know. That, so he doesn't know that you said the fat controller about. No, him, so I've just put it out there. He may or may not ever listen to the podcast. I don't know, okay. but I, but you know, 
there is a photograph of a little boy exactly the same as you were that very first day mum and I dropped you and we took that photograph of you standing out the front of Cromer Public School where your grandmother taught. Right. And and Rod, I remember he lived not 200 metres from that school. Crazy. So to see this photo, and but isn't it lovely to think that the son writes to me and maybe I can fill in a few blanks and 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 I will and I and I and I I kind of thought about it for a while and I wasn't overly keen on the idea because I do get a lot of requests for lots and lots of things but you know I just I thought about it again and I woke up this morning and I I just um I wrote to him and said look send me a number I've now got his number and I'll choose a time um where I can tell him some nice stories because the dad was a nice guy and he was yeah I think it's amazing so that's that's an example of our podcast how yeah uh, you know indirectly or directly it we reach out to people so paul you know the the son the five-year-old son which mm. i've got the photo of him and the dad and it's a really it's to me it's very poignant but you know the the son imagine he, he doesn't have his dad anymore yeah. and he's trying to find out from other people you know things that he might not know about his dad and I think it's 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 a beautiful thing and then you know I know that you um and I have a relationship that is exceptional and honest and you know not perfect but really good yeah and um I've always said both on the podcast and in my private life my public life on stage that the father son relationship is absolutely very important and critical and fathers have a, a very major role to play um and you know i'm one of the lucky people in this world that has a son that has written about me now the first book loose units mm. it was very i guess factual it was <laughs> like you'd you'd interview me i remember we'd we spent god i it seems like a year where you were just continually taking notes, um, phone calls, Skype, and it went on and on and on. Mm. And and then, but the second book, Electric Blue, which is a bigger book, like physically bigger, yeah, you got to do something that was absolutely joyous. And that was that you kind of got to talk about, yes, you got to talk about some really, really great stuff in my forensic days, which in my opinion are the pinnacle of my stories, of your stories, mm. Mm. but also, and that's the really meaty stuff that people actually really dig. Um, but you also got to kind of sort of create a little bit of a, not a fantasy, but you got to do things with my character that took me to places that I didn't necessarily go to, but you may have hoped and wished that I could have gone. So you've kind of created um, through your writing and your style and, and in the second book, you've created this amazing sort of template where you've enabled me to almost be bigger than real life. Oh, it's like wish fulfillment, yeah. yeah. It's a wish fulfillment and it's lovely. And I think that, um, you know, I think it's in everyone's best interest. And I'm saying this from the heart, Paul. 
yeah, I think it's really, really important to read the second book. You, you, it's like it's like kind of having a cake, but some of the ingredients are not there, and it might taste okay, but to have that total experience, I think you've really got got to get your head into the second book, and it's also got some some things in it that, quite frankly are incredible. I think you're a great writer, Paul, and um, I think it's, uh, you know, it's like the two books are A and B, and uh, A is fantastic, B is incredible, but then you, if you've read A and B, you get to sort of, you, you get the whole picture, so to speak. I w- yeah, one of the things we wanted to do when the book came out, I mean, we were looking forward to doing this, was actually going and doing book signings and mm. doing live events and yeah. then actually selling the book and signing yeah. copies and doing that whole thing that we did mm. with the first book. Because um, yeah. we have listeners who've literally flown around the country to kind of go from gig to gig of ours and they've got their kind of lovely weather-beaten copies of Loose Units that have got signed. And we want to do the same thing with Electric Blue. And because of COVID, we couldn't do that. But what we're doing now is we've literally got crates of this book ready to go. Um, and But the thing we want to kind of... Look, I reckon, honestly, if you want to get a copy of uh, Electric Blue and you can't get a copy, the folks over at Booktopia have um, have quite a few in stock uh, still, I think, hopefully. Uh, I'll have to check their numbers. They might have some left. But otherwise, just, yeah, if you guys... Here's the thing. There's a whole bunch of really big things we've got going, uh, big projects that we want to talk about but can't, that will get bigger if this book uh, goes gangbusters. And bookstores are back open. So if you want to support local bookshops or if you want to um, go to Booktopia or Amazon, track down some copies of Electric Blue and grab them. I, I really appreciate that, Dad. It's, um, hmm. it's, I actually think Loose Units is A and Electric Blue is B, C, D, and E. Like hmm. it is so much bigger and weirder. And, you know, if you love John as a character and you want to see what would happen if I put John in the real John in almost a fictional book and how he, whether he sank or swam, that's kind of the premise of bits of this book. And there's, you were mentioning the ADHD earlier in the episode Mm. of, um, you know, this friend of yours and being asked if you were diagnosed, Mm. the ADHD and the bullying stuff, um, is a really big through line in electric blue. It's Mm. also a book about mental health and about bullying and about, Mm. you know, it's yeah, it's a big ambitious book, and I'm just so happy you like it. I mm. think I would be gutted if you didn't like the books I wrote about you. But um, I'm stoked. And also, Paul, just FYI, that you might not know is that Christine and I this Saturday are meeting Sue and her yes. husband. Yes, you and mentioned. Sue is in the book. She and is. She is bringing along one of, or perhaps two of your books for. Me to sign, and I thought it would be nice if Christine signed them as well. Okay. <laughs> I, I digress. I dream. I'm one of these people, and I, I don't know how many people out there are like this, but I dream about doing nothing, and when I'm doing nothing, I dream about doing something. Yeah, that sounds like ADHD to me. Oh. Well. <laughs> anyway. I, I mean, we look, I should point out, Dad's never been diagnosed, but, you know. We're all pretty certain of what's going on there. Well, look, um, obviously, Dad and I have to get ready for next week's uh, live private Acast event, but it's going to be really nice to kind of, you know, dust off the live show and get it back out there. And we're, we're very excited about that. And uh, we're really excited about next week's episodes of Loose Units. So we hope you have a really great weekend, everyone. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to hit us up with some questions, 
facebook.com forward slash loose units is the best place to go. And we will see you next week for more loose units. Bye. Cheerio. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.